Welcome to Habits for Your Happily Ever After, where we get clear about your marriage communication. Because when your relationships are strong, you're able to concentrate at work, reduce conflict at home, and receive support for your dreams so that you have the courage to live your best life. I'm Rebecca Mullen, a relationship coach living in Western Colorado, and today we're going to talk about the toxic impact that a layer of shame has on your relationship and the intimacy you crave. We'll look at the emotions that cause shame. You'll identify three culprits that are likely to breed shame and thus hinder open, honest conversation. And I'll give you a habit and a discussion to wash shame out of your relationship so you can feel more connection with your sweetheart. How does shame impact the intimacy in your relationship? I realized my shame was gone on a July evening. I had carried that shame since my daughter was born. The day was hot, but our porch was cool. My husband and I were eating Cobb salads for dinner. That daughter and her younger brother were now grown and gone. And as the crickets began their evening chirping, I asked my husband a question. Hey, Dave, if you were the only one in charge of my career, and I mean everything, how I made money, how much money I made, and how much I spent time on my career, what would you have me do? My husband dropped his gaze and fidgeted with the napkin in his lap. I'm embarrassed to say, he started. I knew I was going to get a clean answer. That's when you know. That's when you know that shame won't be able to have power over you anymore. When you can get to the intersection of asking a brave question and then wanting to hear the clean, clear answer. When our daughter was born, I got washed in the vulnerability that so many young mothers feel. How was I going to continue to work and tend to this little baby? Every young parent faces this conundrum. For some, leaving home to go to work where they can focus and accomplish something unencumbered fuels their tank so they can come home and devote themselves to their child. Other parents are able to embrace the relentless work of parenting all day and support their family by raising the kids without the need for costly daycare. But most people fall somewhere in the middle. You're madly in love with your kid and you don't want to leave them. But you can't pay your bills And you also want to feel like a person, not just a parent. You want adult conversation and the sense of accomplishment that something tangible got finished today. This is where the biggest layer of my shame was born. Smack dab in the middle of am I a good enough parent versus am I a good enough provider. Since the beginning of 2023, we talked about the lover in your relationship, who keeps your relationship exciting. We talked about the partner who is the engine of your relationship, managing key details of life. Today, we're talking about the friend. Of these three roles in your relationship, partner, friend, and lover, the friend is the one who will be your companion. When the friend is healthy in your relationship, you feel known, and you feel like your relationship is the core spot where you belong. Shame is one of the things that blocks 
your companionship. Shame alienates. Shame misinforms. Shame will keep you lonely. To illustrate how pervasive shame can be, let's use a metaphor. When I was a kid, my stepfather smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. Our house smelled like cigarette smoke. And consequently, I smelled like smoke when I went to school. I didn't know that I smelled like smoke all the years I was in elementary school playing horsey with my friends on the playground. It was my high school boyfriend, the man I married and who was sitting on that porch with me on that cool evening, who first made me aware of the cigarette smoke smell I wore on my clothes. My then boyfriend called me from his family vacation in California. Hey, I just walked into my hotel room and it smelled like you, so I wanted to call, he said on the phone. Oh, we talked a lot on the phone, as only teenagers can do. I couldn't imagine what it was about the hotel room, though, that reminded him of me. And I asked, what's it smell like? He answered quickly and casually, cigarettes. As I'm reflecting on this now, I can hear how little he cared that it was a cigarette smell that reminded him of me. We were in love, and everything about each other made us just feel goo-goo-eyed. But from my perspective... I didn't want my boyfriend to associate the smell of cigarette smoke with me. I wanted to smell fresh and cool like this summer evening on my porch where I'm eating cob salads with my husband. This is how shame permeates your relationship. Shame is a toxic stench that hangs over everything. Sometimes your sweetheart doesn't recognize your shame. Like my husband didn't recognize that a cigarette smell wasn't how I wanted him to think of me. We get so accustomed to shame, we don't even know it's flavoring our lives. It's critical, however, to recognize the layer of shame you carry because it's pervasive and toxic to the intimacy you crave in your relationship. So how do you recognize shame? Can you recall a time that you felt ashamed? What caused that feeling for you? Where do you feel that shame in your body? Shame begins with a feeling of unworthiness, embarrassment, or humiliation. Today, I am not talking about the kind of shame someone else has given to you. If you've had a parent or an ex-lover who constantly battered you with words about why you're not worthy of the air you breathe, I am not talking to you today about that. For that sort of shame, it helps to dig in with a therapist. Washing away a layer of smoky shame like that requires help. I'm talking about the kind of shame that grows organically inside of you because your actions don't match your values. When I was a young mom and I met another mom on the playground, she asked me that classically lame question, what do you do? Shame dripped out of my answer. I work for the University of Colorado's Speech Language Hearing Sciences Center. I run a research grant that is funded by the National Institute of Health. How do I know this answer is hazy with shame? Because it's dripping with justification. I'm trying to justify the worthiness of what I do by cramming every fancy and worthy institution in there I can. University. That's got to be prestigious, right? 
speech, language, hearing, sciences, anything that that complicated sounding that ends with the word science has to be worthy, right? But what I knew was that I barely earned any money. It was a paltry amount, and I knew that. Inside, I was judging myself with the metric of the amount you earn equals how much you're worth. This is a lie. But it's a lie we all live with to some degree. Earning and worthiness are big culprits when it comes to the shame haze that you wear. If I answered the same mom on the playground about what it is I do as a parent, the other worthiness metric according to my value system, I'd casually mention all the sacrifices I was making. Well, I was up at 4.30 working before my kids woke up because I don't have daycare. Again, I'm justifying my worthiness as a parent based on the largesse of my sacrifice. But what I knew was that I was so sleep-deprived, my temper was paper-thin, and I lost it so completely that I threw a roller skate across the room, which landed, well, not far from my children. Shame is that stuff we keep hidden, the paltry bank account, the roller skate incident. Shame convinces us that if people only knew the truth about us, they'd know how lame we really are. This terrifies us. So our shame hides. Shame wears a disguise like blame or braggadocio or control. These are things that got in between my husband and me for years. When I needed to talk to my husband about anything financial, the shame I felt about my small earning contribution would waft into the conversation, and I'd say, I can't believe how much you spent on this pair of boots. When I look back now and see those boots, I wish I could have said, and more so felt, wow, those are nice boots. I can see why you love them so much. The problem is, I don't have enough money to pay this electric bill now. What do you think we should do? Even now, all these years later, I struggled to find a way to create the sentence I just spoke. I struggled with how to say it clean because the smoky haze of shame is so thick. I knew I wanted to affirm David's grown-up right to spend our money, but it took me some time to then offer him the responsibility to deal with the consequences of his choice. When you feel shame, you think everything is your fault. Everything is yours to fix. My husband didn't even know about the electric bill. He was busy in medical school, and I was trying to prove how worthy I was by handling all the details of our lives. In those early days of our marriage, I didn't know how to give him responsibility to deal with the electric bill problem caused by his expensive boots. But I had no hesitation shaming him because he spent too much. See how shame pollutes your relationship? It's sneaky and pervasive and hard to recognize. How is shame leaking into your relationship? 
Do you feel responsible for things that aren't yours to fix? Does the flavor of your blame drip with shaming accusations? Okay, so how do you overcome shame? Let's identify the culprits that create shame. Number one, comparison. We look at the facade of others and compare ourselves to their picture-perfect exterior. We imagine they are hiding nothing and that everything in their life is as lovely as their Instagram feed. Even when you consciously know this isn't true, if you expose yourself to a constant diet of looking at others' picture-perfect lives, that comparison brain eats away at your self-esteem and you feel ashamed of how you don't measure up. Number two culprit that causes shame is perfection. We create impossible standards for ourselves that no one could live up to. And then we beat ourselves up for not living up to them. And the third culprit is where we focus. When you focus on how you fall short of your values, rather than focusing on all that you're managing to handle well, you constantly feel you should improve. You feel less than. And shame has fertile ground to grow. I began to wash away my haze of shame by changing my focus. It happened by accident. Remember how I didn't realize I smelled like cigarette smoke because my nose was accustomed to that smell? Well, I didn't know how to find my shame, let alone wash it away. The first shift of focus happened when I wrote a book about the importance of reading to your children. And you can watch my TEDx talk to get the gist. I'll link to it in the show notes. As I wrote that book, I was trying to convince other parents about the value of stories when it comes to raising your family. I believe telling stories about other people or stories from your family's history is the most effective way to teach your children values and provide calm discipline. As I write this book, now I'm talking to other people. I watch as parents sacrifice time with their kids because there's always more their boss wants from them. Suddenly, I saw my history differently. That paltry amount of money I made at the University of Colorado was a job that allowed me freedom to read to my children. <laughs> when this occurred to me, I went running to my husband and I said, hey, it's a big deal that I was able to be home with the kids and read to them so much. No, duh, said my husband. This is what I've been trying to tell you for years. It's why I felt so lucky that you were so supportive of my career change. You took such great care of all of us. Had my husband been saying that for years? Really? I don't remember that. And this is another cloak and dagger mystery about shame. It's so powerful that it can get in the way of actually seeing the life that's unfolding around you, even when that life is what you desire. I'd always wanted David to value how dedicated I was to parenting. Come to find out, he'd always been valuing it. I just couldn't feel the value he felt. Shame is a huge reason people can't feel the love and respect that is surrounding them. Let's go back to the summer evening on my porch. As my husband looks down at his napkin, I get a little afraid. I just know he's going to tell me 
He's tired of being the breadwinner, and he wishes I'd provide more financially to our household. He looks up sheepishly, and he says, I'm so embarrassed, but I want you to be available whenever I want to play. When I want to go skiing, I want you to be available to go with me. When I want to take a vacation, I want you to be available to take the trip with me. Basically, I want you to be my beck-and-call companion. Isn't that horrid and selfish of me? When he made this outrageous demand, he dissolved all my fear. It wasn't my earning potential he valued. My husband valued my company. It was as if we could both feel the haze of shame lift, and we laughed. What layer of hazy shame would lift if you changed the way you were looking at what frustrates you? And how could you change your focus so you see your life differently? I changed my focus to looking at what I value, steeping my children in a world of good stories. When I focused on my values of stories, I realized I valued time with my kids far more than I valued money. I realized that I'm in a very privileged position because I had access to safe, low-income housing at that stage of my life. I'm not taking my privilege for granted, but it was hiding something I couldn't see. Are you facing a tug-of-war inside you that's causing you shame? Maybe you long to make a change in the world, and you want to run for political office, but you also value your privacy. Maybe you love being the life of the party, but that can compromise your health, which is so important to you. Maybe you want to be an artist, but you need to pay the bills. If you're facing a tug of war inside, change your focus and look at all the ways you're currently succeeding at each of the things you value. This week's habit for your happily ever after will help you deal with the perfection that causes shame. Remember how we talked about perfection is one of the culprits that causes shame? Well, first, identify an area of your life where you're likely to squeeze yourself with perfectionist tendencies. If you struggle to identify those, you can look at the symptoms of perfection, blame, control, and bragging. When are you most likely to brag? And I'm not talking about the bragging that I've been teaching you to do when it comes to your invisible work. I'm talking about that braggadocio. What makes you hyper-controlling? When are you most likely to blame your sweetheart? Can you recognize a perfectionist desire in your brags, control, or blame? Maybe you brag about the food you eat. So clean, so vegan. Maybe you control the bank account because you don't want to waste a penny. Maybe your blame centers on what's messing up the house. There are fingerprints on the fridge again. After you've identified an area where you have a perfectionist tendency, now list out all the ways you are making an effort toward that value that makes you strive for perfection. I eat clean food 90% of the day. 
then get very, very specific about how you got to that 90%. Notice the small bowl of yogurt you ate first thing so your stomach didn't get angry when you took your vitamins. Tell yourself why that's a big deal. Taking vitamins is important to you. And you forget if you don't take them first thing in the morning. But if you don't eat a little bit, your stomach complains about the habit. This is you listening to your body and figuring out how to accomplish what matters most to you. Notice how you're setting yourself up for the life you want to live when you eat that bowl of yogurt and take your vitamins. Notice how you chop veggies rather than grabbing fast food at lunch. Notice the cup of peppermint tea after dinner that helps with your craving for a sweet bowl of ice cream. When you get granular like this, you bring your focus to all the choices you made that supports your clean eating value. Rather than, cr- caving, rather than caving to your tendency, which is to focus on the foible, that mocha latte at 3 o'clock that helped you finish out the workday. The perfection monster hates it when you get granular like this because perfection is an ideal, not a practice. The perfection monster melts away when you notice your 90% success ratio and all the details that serve to make that happen. And when perfection is melted, the haze of shame lifts. Shame hides in righteous places like perfectionism. This habit will help you expose those hiding places so shame can be seen, questioned, and then washed away. This week's habit is to identify your perfectionist tendencies and then focus on all the ways you're successfully striving for and reaching that value that you want to perfect. When your focus is on the details of how you're reaching your aims, it's much easier to shrug off the few times that you have an oops. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I want to just take a quick break here to ask you if you would take a moment and send this podcast to a friend. Word of mouth keeps this podcast growing, which keeps me here talking with you. Thanks for your help. We've arrived at our date night discussion segment. In today's date night discussion, play the game of this goes with that. The very first culprit I talked about that leads to shame is when you focus on how you fall short. The second culprit that leads to shame is perfection. We've talked about those above. Now let's play this goes with that. This is a discussion game that pairs the granular details of life to the glowing facade you see on social media. First, talk with your sweetheart about the things that you see on social media. I see my friend who regularly posts about the gorgeous meals she makes for her family. I see my friend who puts up his daily workout triumphs and now he's ranking in the top 10 on his app. I see my friend whose job is always sending her to gorgeous places. Now play, this goes with that. Practice noticing the whole package. You've been steeped in all the, this is what it looks like on the outside photos of social media. Now you're pulling back the curtain to see the whole picture. Then you can see, 
My friend who posts about the gorgeous meals isn't posting the giant stack of dishes that comes with all that cooking. When you get a chance to see the granular details of this goes with that, you'll likely discover you're valuing something else as more important. Oh, I'm glad I've chosen to keep our meal prep simple because staying on top of the kitchen is really important to me and I don't want to feel overwhelmed. When you look at the granular details of your athletic friend, you see that he goes to bed before 9 p.m. and eats every two hours to keep his muscle tone at its peak. This goes with that. Helps you to see, oh, I like having an hour before bed that we can snuggle and watch mindless TV. That relaxation together helps me feel close to you and it wouldn't be worth giving it up to rank in the top 10 on the app. And lastly, this goes with that, allows you to see my friend whose career is soaring is away from home a good portion of the weekend. I love the memories we're making, taking the kids to soccer games and going out for pizza with the team, and it wouldn't be worth it to me to miss that. When you play this goes with that, you clean out the cacophony of comparison because you're looking at the whole picture, the granular details. This is also a nice discussion starter because it helps you to see the areas of life where you're apt to compare and despair. You're looking at your friend's beautiful meals a lot. Well, maybe you want to add a night once a week or once a month where you're all in on making an elaborate dinner because you've got lots of hands for prep cooking as well as hands to clean up afterward. I know it's difficult to identify the shame you feel, let alone find ways to begin to wash it away. And I know this shame is hindering the intimacy you feel with your sweetheart. Sometimes it takes knowing that someone is truly ready to receive your story to feel okay looking at that hazy layer of shame. I want you to know my hand is in the air. Text me at 970-210-4480 and talk to me. That's it for today. I'm Rebecca Mullen, and this has been Habits for Your Happily Ever After, where we get clear about your marriage communication. Because when your relationships are strong, you're better able to concentrate at work, reduce conflict at home, and receive support for your dreams so you can have the courage to live your best life. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd be grateful if you'd send a link to your friend. Habits for Your Happily Ever After is produced by Grace Smith. All our music and sound comes from Walk West Productions. I'm Rebecca Mullen. Thanks for including me in your relationship today.